Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Great. That's fantastic. Great to be here. Yes, this is exciting. This is our first time in, what, two and a half months? Yeah. yeah. Coming at you live from the quarantine, folks. We got, we watch movies and then talk about them. So how's it going? Great. Yeah? Yeah. We've been watching movies. Just, uh, well, some of us have. I've and been we've been talking about them, just yeah. not to you folks. That's true. Yeah. And it's not because we dislike you. It's just we don't want to die of a pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. We still like you. But uh, we've all been appropriately social distancing. And so now, well, I guess we're still, we're not quite six feet apart. But I mean, we're a good distance. We're a good distance apart. Yeah. We've, on, we've all been social distancing and none of us have caught anything. So we feel safe within ourselves. Yes. So that's how it is. My goodness gracious. Here we are. Hello and welcome to episode 56. 56, wow. folks. It only took us two <laughs> years to get 56 episodes, which means that we've missed nearly half the weeks in the last two years. Look at us go. So consistent. I know. Very thought? consistent. Well, we've done bonus episodes and other yeah. things like that. So uh, episode 56 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. There may be others where other people watch movies and then talk about them, but this is the only one where we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this year's podcast, joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hi. How are you? I'm good. You're looking good. Well, thank you. Um, fun fact, today is our anniversary. It is. And we decided to spend it with Sid and you fine folks. Who else would they spend it with? Even though this <laughs> won't release until next week. Uh, the day that we record this is our anniversary. Mm-hmm. Three years. And you know what? Sid has been at our house for about three and a half hours now, and I don't think that she's told us happy anniversary yet. Nope. Happy anniversary, guys. That was heartfelt. Sid, this is like your anniversary, too, because you were at our wedding. So That's how it works? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So am I married now? You're just like kind of part of this relationship. Welcome. But I just don't. You don't get any of the benefits, but I don't you get just like have a tax to. Break or... no. no. But we can claim you as a dependent if you want. No. That'd be good for I'll us. Yeah, that'd be great for us. Coming and watching movies and eating your popcorn. Okay. And dusting our house. Yes, of course. Supposedly. The yes. one chore you have. Yes. Uh, if you haven't picked up on it yet, uh, Tebeka's right hand and my left, due to the circular nature of our table, is Sid. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Dude, you've been pounding through some quarantine content. Yes, it has been a good two months Becca, of content. Becca has uh, me on a strict regimen of Twin Peaks only. Uh, yep. Uh, it's a good regimen. Meaning it that is. we've literally watched three movies in the month of May. Have we really? Yeah. It's terrible. Wow. What? If the movie theaters were open, that's where we'd spend all of our time. Well, sure. Um, speaking of movie theaters being open, uh, Christopher Nolan, very, very adamant about uh, Tenet opening on time this July. He has declared time and time again that it will not be pushed back, unlike the French Dispatch, which has been pushed back. Rip. Uh, Most importantly, though, uh, there is no news so far of Dune being pushed back, which is supposed to be December of this year. Um, And I think that that's all of the important movies coming out this year. I mean, Trolls got pushed back i mean even got yeah. home release dude actually that's a really interesting topic um 
that I think is worth talking about. We'll talk about the movie for sure. But let's talk about things that people have heard of first. And then we can talk about the thing that nobody has heard of. <laughs> um, yeah, Trolls World Tour released on VOD. And basically Universal was like, holy crap. We made a lot of money. And we didn't have to share a cent of it with the movie theaters. <laughs> and so Universal was like, from now on, all of our stuff is just releasing on VOD. And AMC and uh, Regal both said, well, then fine, Universal, we won't release your movies anymore. Um, now, this is good for us because nobody gives a crap about Universal. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting like power move between uh, you know, the, the production studios and the movie theaters. I don't know. Well, and I kind of think that's probably where we're headed as far as movie releases. Well, right. It feels like... Uh, you know, the, the movie theaters are kind of acting like Mr. Spielberg is acting with the Academy, right? Yeah. That's kind of because I, I mean, the thing with Spielberg is that he was mad that things are kind of going more into a home base, but I would be really sad if movies stopped playing in theaters as much. Me too. It's just a different experience yeah. for sure. I mean, I've seen, um speculation that like big blockbusters will still be released in theaters but it'll be like the smaller movies that'll get um on demand which i'm still uh, not psyched about well yeah imagine like i mean i think back and i'm like geez what if suspiria had just gone vod you know what i mean because that's like i think a perfect example of a low budget movie that the studio could you know keep their 30 percent or whatever Mm -hmm. the movie theater gets right and, like, that movie is such a spectacle. Yeah. But doesn't come close to counting as, like, a summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's an interesting... I think it's interesting, Ben, because, like, I, I hope that studios still, you know, release their smaller budget movies in theaters. But, really, why would you? Because, at the same time, I would have watched Suspiria anyway. Yeah. Right? And whoever... I don't know who produced that. Whoever could have just kept their cut that went to Cinemark. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. So I think it's going to be, I think uh, when this whole thing uh, finally ends, if it ever freaking ends, um, like it's going to be interesting to see who wins out in that struggle. Because at the same time, like, you know, the movie theaters are basically saying, well, we're not going to, we're not going to take Universal movies anymore. Universal's like, the frick do we care? Like the same amount of people are still going to watch our movie, basically. Like the, the days of like showing up to the theater and being like, hmm, wonder what's playing tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody does that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the people who would make the effort to go see Trolls World Tour in the theater are just going to buy it on video on demand. Who cares, right? So, it, it, like, it's interesting to see the theaters just, like, cut out their own revenue stream just because they're getting a little less. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I get that it's a power play because they're trying to force Universal's hand. But at the same time, like, I, I wonder if other companies are going to take the cue. Like, it seems like in the pandemic, there's a lot of, there's a handful of companies that are like really leaning into this new reality that we live in. Right. Becca and I were talking about this the other day, but Twitter recently announced that all of their employees from top to bottom will have the option to work from home forever. Like even after all of this is done and that's for every single employee of Twitter. Right. And it's like, it feels like that, should be the direction that things go in. You know what I mean? It just, it feels like there's some, a lot of changes happening. And I personally feel that the companies that lean into it 
and use this as a kind of a dry run for uh, when these things stop being mandatory and begin being options again. Like, I feel like those are the companies that are going to do better. I think that Universal is going to come out on top of this, personally. Yeah, probably. And I, I could see the theater backing down before I see Universal backing down. Especially because when we come out of this, theaters are getting hit hard, right? Oh, yeah. Like, to cut off a revenue stream coming out of a pandemic, that seems just suicidal. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Business at that scale is weird, though. Like, there's just so much money being thrown around that I have no idea. What does Universal even release, apart from kids' movies and The Mummy? Um, <laughs> didn't they? Don't they do, like, Jurassic World? Oh, who gives a crap? I think they do just kind of dumb blockbusters, mostly. I mean, I'm sure they make I mean, just disgusting amounts of money with that. Oh, so. I'm sure. I, like, I, I know that they did, um, like, Happy Death Day and... Like, they have some a few good ones, but I Is would... Is Blumhouse under Universal? Because I thought that Blumhouse did Happy Death Day. I just remember watching... Yeah, watching the beginning of Happy Death Day, and you know, like, they started over when it's the Universal logo. Right. And that's the only reason I remember. Um, I don't know if Blumhouse is or not. Huh, interesting. And I could be wrong. It could not even be a Blumhouse movie. I just assume that it is because they kind of have the <laughs> the market cornered on those like hyper mediocre horror films yeah. except for the invisible man which that was blumhouse right yeah and that was pretty good yeah i enjoyed that yeah that was the last movie we saw in theaters i think so i think so the next movie we're gonna see in theaters is annihilation that's true uh we are getting a special screening of annihilation because some theaters are opening up uh for private events only so we went ahead and jumped on that. Yep. It's pretty cool. Um, for fans of the podcast, you should know. Uh, I learned this today. I guess I just didn't think about it. That Annihilation in the theaters is the reason the podcast exists. That was the first uh, film that the three of us saw together. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we discussed afterwards starting a podcast. And Annihilation ended up being our sixth episode. So. It's an important film for us. And it's a great film. And mm-hmm. actually, I'm I'm not like super confident about a lot of our older episodes but our discussion of annihilation is pretty good i'm sure probably because we'd seen it like four times by then yeah (laughs) (laughs) for sure but yeah um yeah i'm sure we can get into other movie news and stuff like that but those things were on the top of my head right at this moment that's fine we do whatever we want we do whatever we want it's our podcast it is our podcast (laughs) and you know um, we sat and thought about it. We said, you know what? We took a couple months off. Maybe some people lost some interest. Um, how are we going to rope our people back in, right? Probably by doing watching a super accessible movie that everybody knows and loves. Exactly. So that That's we what I was thinking. Bring Ward our fans back this. in. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, I want this to pop up on people's notifications. Oh my gosh, we watch movies and then talk about them. Has a new episode. Uh, they're back baby they're back i can't wait to listen to them talk about uh <laughs> julia de command de, de, oh geez de Corneau. i don't know how to speak french julia de Corneau's 2016 uh horror horrific film raw everybody's seen that one right yeah <laughs> saw it in theaters opening night midnight dressed up and it was <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> You wore and, you and wore your you, dress up you wore your raw costume. <laughs> I wore a bloody uh, lab coat oh, okay. and put blood of all over popcorn, your face. I ate uh, rabbit kidneys. 
Oh, that's smart. Yikes. How did you get a hold of that many rabbit kidneys? No, they <laughs> sold them at the theater. How did the theater get a hold of that many rabbit kidneys? I don't kidneys? know. Um, because they um, took all the rabbits from the filming of Us. And then they... Oh, go. that makes sense. That's oh. a lot of rabbit kidneys. Yeah. For and sure. And this is such a popular movie that they knew it would sell. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Um, I actually saw it in IMAX 3D. <laughs> so that was a totally different experience. Um, you sure it wasn't 4D? <laughs> no, I did not see it in 4D. Thank goodness. Uh, I would not want to add smell vision to this film. Oh, my gosh. No, thank uh, you. Very irony. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Raw today. Uh, we were trying to decide where, like, even as we were picking a movie today, we're like, you know, we need to do a good one. This needs to be a good one. And then I think it was Sid was like, you know, I kind of feel like watching a horror movie. <laughs> And that led us just to immediately left our process. Right. Yeah. Just like totally ditched out of that. And we're like, yeah. And we started Googling like most disturbing horror movies. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Yep. What a beautiful raw. journey we went on. And um, I, it was probably exactly the right amount of disturbing that we wanted tonight. Oh, yeah. It was pretty, yeah. pretty, you know, pretty up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, folks. I added sound effects. <laughs> We're back for real. Andrew's really excited about his uh, sensor. Well, no, because the only way that I could describe this movie is with a genuine, like, what the actual just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, you did during the movie. I did. Which was my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> um so let's let's do this thing, I suppose. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little taken aback right now. I'm, uh... I'm interested to hear our discussion because I, I have some ideas here, um, but yeah. So uh, here's how the show is going to work. We're going to get into some hot takes, which are bite-sized, short little opinions of the film. Uh, following that, we will get into our general discussion. Uh, after that, uh, Sid, do we have any trivia? Yeah, a few. Okay, we will have tri- we will have Sid give us the best of the best of IMDb movie trivia. She read it all, so you don't have to. Uh, at which point we will have our closing thoughts and uh, rate this movie out of 10 on the Weston scale, which is the only definitive way to rank movies on a scale of 1 to 10. So, let's get right into it. Uh, don't burn yourself on these hot takes. <laughs> I almost forgot. Uh, Becca, how hot is your hot take? Um, It's pretty hot, I think. There's There's some confusion in it, but it's... It's hot. <laughs> cool. What is it? Okay, here we go. Um, this is a movie that is very hard to say that I enjoyed in any way because I don't think I have cringed so often in a movie and audibly freaked out about what was happening in a movie so many gross things happening with people's bodies and it was very difficult to watch that being said this movie is very to the point and it <laughs> is and does exactly what it set out to do i think like there's no um dilly-dallying or waiting for anything like things just happen quickly and you understand exactly where it's going and exactly what's happening. And there's just there's just a lot, 
I guess we haven't really explained what this movie is at all, huh? I guess I mean we can do that for those of you who are uninitiated. Uh, a young French girl uh, goes to veterinary school, um, and I guess the IMDb movie uh, description says a young woman studying to be a vet develops a craving for human flesh, um, and that's sure, I guess what it's about. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's. It's a I lot. mean, it's a lot more than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more than that. It's so. It takes a lot more steps to get to that. Yeah, it's not like she shows up, walks through vet school, and she's like, "Man, I could really eat an arm right now." Yeah. Like, and it's not just about cannibalism yeah. either. Like, like eating human flesh is more than about just eating human flesh. All right, and we will get into that. Yes, we will. And those are the parts that are really, really awful. Um, the one scene that I'm sure we will talk about that was probably harder for me to watch than any of the cannibalism scenes was when she was throwing up her own hair. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And it just would not stop coming out of her. And oh my gosh, it's it's hard to watch something like that. But I do think... She is amazing. What's her name? The actress? Um, Garance Marier. I, it, dude, I can't do these French names. I thought that she did just an absolutely fantastic job. And there were a few scenes, especially that I was just like, I, like, I don't know how you get into the mindset of something like that. Like as an actress, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you act like that? And we'll get into them specifically, but um, the one scene that I'm thinking of specifically is um, she's like looking at herself in the mirror and dancing and just like the look that she has in her eyes. Oh, it's incredible. It's so freaky. It's so good. Yeah. So, I mean, my hot take is I think it's amazing for what it is, but it's really hard to watch and I had a really hard time watching it. So th- those are my thoughts. All right. Great. Uh, Sid, how hot is your hot take? Uh, mine's pretty hot. Um, I actually really liked this. Um, I think part of what made me like it more than you guys probably is because like I have um, seen like some recaps of this movie before and like watched YouTube videos on it. Um, so I knew what was coming. So I guess I wasn't as grossed out um, by some of the more gory parts. Um, but I just, I really liked it. I think because I knew what was coming, I was able to um, pay attention um, more to the craft of it. And I, I'll say I loved the music. I thought the music was fantastic. I didn't know there was music in this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially... Well, yeah, that's probably a spoiler. Anyway, I'll save I'll save it for later. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just found it really interesting. Um, I'm interested to see what you guys thought of it and kind of um, maybe the overall purpose of it. Um, but I just thought it was really well done. It was different than what I expected. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I guess I'm a sicko, so. Well, um, if you're a sicko, then I'm a sicko. Because yeah. I, I freaking loved this. Yeah. I thought this was fantastic. 
Um, goodness gracious, though. Um, where do you start? I guess... Um, I don't know. My hot takes always bleed into general discussion anyway, so <laughs> screw it. Um, you know, my 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 favorite thing to talk about horror is that the best horror films are just family drama wrapped up with something either paranormal or supernatural or whatever. Um, and this movie is definitely that. Um, it's kind of a combination of family drama and like coming of age sexual awakening mixed in with uh uh you know just like completely horrific elements um i was not expecting that angle i guess would be my biggest thing um and i I guess i'll start being spoilery now we can just kind of bleed this into general discussion but um yeah i didn't expect the and I'll be careful how I say this because as somebody who listens to a lot of serial killer podcasts <laughs> and how like a lot of serial killers and cannibals and stuff, it's all sexual for them and they get gratification out of it. But this movie, the kind of the sexual angle to it, um, it's not, at least from what I felt, so much that she gets sexual gratification out of the cannibalism so much as the the cannibalism is an expression of her pent-up frustrations, both sexual and otherwise. Yeah, that's um, how I saw it. Yeah, like, so yeah. It, I, I want to be clear that this isn't like us... I guess it's not like... It, it doesn't glorify it at all, and it's also not just about some sicko who gets off from eating people. It's like the the behaviors are a manifestation of these frustrations, Right. Uh And in a lot of ways, and I won't spoil it because Sid hasn't seen it, but in a lot of ways, it actually did remind me of Swallow, uh, which came out earlier this year and is actually my favorite movie that I've seen this year. Uh, That movie is a trip and absolutely worth watching. Oh, yeah. Uh, A lot of kind of similar themes to what's going on here, but expressed in a very different way. Uh, But I don't know. I see a lot of parallels there. So if you if you haven't seen Swallow, it's easier to stomach than this one by a mile. Uh, but still yes. not super easy to stomach. Yeah. Uh, but Would you say it's easier to swallow? <laughs> ah! It's not easy to swallow. <laughs> uh, no, I mean because she like eats thumbtacks and stuff. Yeah, so. Right, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I don't know. It's 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 interesting because the, I think that this movie's biggest strength and its biggest folly are the same thing, and that is that it's just so wildly inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it it allows uh, I don't know her last name Julia I won't say her last name it allows Julia the director uh, to kind of push the limits as far as uh, what is acceptable and in good taste in film because it's so interesting because this this movie so easily could have uh, crossed the line over into something exploitative and just disgusting for the sake of it. But the I agree with Sid, the craft of it is so well done and obviously so well thought out and so meticulous. The, the camera is so cold in the way that it sees this world that it's not a glorification of any of it and it doesn't feel exploitative in any way. It feels exploratory and sympathetic to the characters. Um, and I, I think that, that takes a really deft hand from the director and the editor and the, and the cinematographer to make all of that come together. Yeah, I totally see that. And I also think that, like, the cannibalism itself, kind of like you said, is is not 
specifically representative of just cannibalism. Like it's representative and symbolic of a lot of other things that are more relatable in life than, mm. you know, eating human flesh. <laughs> right. Which is hopefully not relatable. <laughs> yes. Actually, Hashtag relatable. no joke. Uh, you can find this uh, if you Google for it. There's a Reddit thread about a guy who um, he had some sort of serious injury uh, and he had to get his foot amputated. But like the foot itself was in fine shape. It was like the ligaments or something. I don't know. Uh, so he and a few of his friends got together and they ate the foot. What? Like, yeah. So like they made tacos out of it. Oh, my God. No joke. So he does he does this whole like Reddit AMA, which is Santa asked me anything. He does basically a Q&A about eating his own foot with his friends and it's like totally oh totally effed up oh, because no. what it boils down to is like i was curious what it was like and he's like yeah me and my friends like sitting around we you know we had the conversation before like if you had the opportunity without harming anybody to try human flesh would you do it and we said that we would so we had the opportunity and we did it oh and my like gosh. that's his whole thing and that's totally off topic but because it's not related to this at all because that really was just like wonder what it's like Oh, I I am oh, horrified. But yeah, they ate his foot, and he ate like he ate it with them. They shared it. Also, you're gonna eat human flesh, so you're gonna eat a foot. Yeah, like of all things, well, it's all they I had. Mean, it's all they had available I know to it's them. All they like, had, but <laughs> well, it, beggars can't be choosers at that point. I think, right? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I guess what's the other option? It gets thrown in an incinerator. Like that better. And he just asked the doctor. He's like, "Can I have my foot?" And I'm like, "I guess so." <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I guess, I, I don't know, is that like, I guess doctors generally let you keep things that they take out of your body, right? Like if you want to keep guess. your kidney stones or like a tumor they remove or something, like if you want it. <laughs> well, they have no reason to keep them. Well, right. Like what are they, I guess unless it's some sort of biohazard, but I guess an yeah. a, a amputated foot doesn't count. Oh my gosh. I don't know, oh. dude. It's so gross to think about. I think the biggest difference there with just like cannibalism and this movie is the connection to family like you talked about um way to bring it back (laughs) (laughs) that's that's my specialty segues (laughs) anyway um it's not like very strongly connected i mean it, it is very strongly connected to family but like you don't get a lot of the family specifically the parents in the movie at all it's really just like a couple minutes in the beginning 30 seconds in the middle and then the end Mm -hmm. that you see the parents um but their cannibalism is very very connected to their parents and to the way that they were raised even though we don't see them being raised like we see the repercussions of whatever their parents did to them growing up well, I mean, more specifically, the cannibalism of their mom. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, 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 it feels like, to me, the, the, again, the cannibalism is an expression of her frustrations. There's, and it's, the movie is really well written in that it drops breadcrumbs throughout about, like, um, you know, uh, again, how, for example, like how controlling her mother is in her life, right? Like the opening scene, uh, she accidentally pops an entire meatball into her mouth without realizing that, which yeah. I don't know how you like, 
shove mashed potatoes into your <laughs> mouth so quickly you end up with a meatball and don't realize it. But we see her mom like freak out over it. Yeah. Um, and even her dad has a couple of little like, you know, dad conversations when the mom is mad and talking about how the mom is controlling and that's just how it is. And um, like, you know, you, you get a lot of hints about uh, kind of having a really sheltered upbringing and very uh, controlling parents and again that tying into uh, Justine's sexuality right mm-hmm. um, well and I think that um, that's such a good example of like a parent or like their mother in this case that has weaknesses herself doing everything that she possibly can to not let her children have those same weaknesses such as not letting them eat meat their entire life. Right, so that they don't get a taste for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like doing all of these things to protect them. Um, but really, all of those things probably led to it being worse. Well, right, it just like completely backfires, yeah. right? Well, and I think that's that's like one example where the cannibalism is very, very symbolic in just that like we... Or people, like, as parents, don't want their weaknesses to be passed on to their children. So they do everything they can to not let that happen. But that could just make that happen. And I think that's, like, an interesting um, interesting symbolism that comes from the cannibalism. Yeah. Family mm-hmm. drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it is weird. Well, not weird. Um, it's... it's interesting i try not to say the word interesting because it doesn't mean anything um but it's uh, i guess i'll just say it's interesting the way that her kind of forays with cannibalism are tied into specific events right Mm um you know she's hanging out with her sister and her sister's finger gets cut off a very traumatic right very stressful situation that she doesn't know how to deal with and for some reason, her brain goes to eating the finger that was cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you think about when she bites the dude's lip when he just kind of jumps on her. She's obviously it's 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 also talked about very heavily that she's very sexually inexperienced, uh, but not just sexually inexperienced, but very sheltered. Um, she doesn't you know like to go to parties. She's not a huge drinker. Um, she's just like socially inexperienced. Right. She's very socially inexperienced. Very uh, sheltered. Um, and so, you know, she gets into that situation where the, the guy's coming on to her very heavily. So she bites his lip off. Um, and even like when she does, you know, later on in the film, uh, she gets wasted at a party and her sister starts teasing her with, you know, eating the dead body, like all of these situations that would be, uh, very traumatic and anxiety inducing for, uh, somebody who has some sort of, you know, uh, anxiety, uh, for some reason it's, it's like that, that switch is flipped in her head that, you know, cannibalism is, is how you, or how she deals with that. Yeah. It's more transformative than scarring for her. Exactly. Um, and, um, in, 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 in a, I guess in an even deeper layer, it's empowering to her. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like she, she's never more confident than when she is thinking about it or doing it mm-hmm. which is i'm sure there's layers there of psychology that i just don't understand but <laughs> oh yeah i mean there's a lot of us that i don't understand but i like it so 
Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing is like apart from all of these layers that are going on, like it's it's a really enjoyable film. Yeah. If you're into like totally up stuff, like, <laughs> um, which unfortunately, I guess, hello. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know, like previously we had talked about like when we watched Funny Games, we were like, this is probably the most inaccessible movie that we've covered. And like Funny Games is like, like a Saturday afternoon stroll in the park compared to this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is rough. It this just is re- not one that I would recommend to yeah. many people. No, like it's genuinely stomach turning. And like that doesn't happen to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. This me- like it didn't like mess with me because I don't feel like any after effects. But like while you're watching it, it's like, yeah. stop. It's yeah. very hard to watch. And it's I mean, it's very well done because I feel like I can experience like fully experience what's happening even though i'm just watching it like yeah let's talk about uh the sister because the movie kind of flips on its head in the last half and then uh like i guess removes its head and does like a 900 backflip (laughs) at the end if we say that it flips on its head halfway through then like it just totally uh, I don't know, like moves to Barbados in the end. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like this, this is just a movie that was never on the rails to begin with, so it couldn't go off the rails. Yeah, it just was consistently off. The rails. Right. It just gets it just gets further and further away from the from the tracks. Yes. Uh, because about halfway through, um, you know, she eats her sister's finger. Her sister wakes up and is crying and looks horrified. Um. But then immediately reveals that the opening scene uh, of somebody jumping in front of a car to make it crash uh, was her sister. Mm-hmm. And that I guess this is a habit where she causes a car to crash and then eats some of the people. So I guess we learn that her sister is also a cannibal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she immediately blames the thing you're eating on the dog. Right. Protects her sister. Right. Wrong. The dog didn't do anything. I know. I'm pissed. Good dog. He was a good boy, but he gets blamed for eating the finger. Yes. And he gets put down unfair. And the sister laughs about it. Like that's the most jacked up part. LOL. LOL. Like you should be in jail even longer just for getting that dog killed. Yeah. Um. I don't know. What do we What do we make of that? Just um, her sister? Yeah, just her, like I did not expect this to be a movie full of cannibals. Uh-huh. I expected the one. <laughs> I mean, thinking about um, watching that scene where she sees Justine eating the finger and seeing her crying, I initially was like, oh, okay, she's crying because she's horrified her sister is eating human flesh. Um, but now, like, remembering that like she herself is a cannibal and um i think her crying is more of a sadness for justine like i like i don't want her to experience this this um struggle that i've had with wanting to eat human flesh um that's kind of thinking back on it now that kind of um makes more sense to me yeah it also makes more sense uh that um when she comes out and the parents are like, well, you couldn't sew it back on. And Alexia was like, she ate my finger and the parents don't react. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that also makes a bit more sense now. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but I, I guess like, I don't know. I, I, I do think again, that the cannibalism, not just for Justine, but for Alexia is again, a manifestation of the sheltering of the parents. Right. Cause if you think about it, like, um, you know, Alexia is the oldest one. Um, and generally I feel like the, in super sheltered families, the oldest kind of goes one of two directions. Either they end up super sheltered and, and like leaning into it or they become even more rebellious. Mm-hmm. And so if we're taking, you know, the mother's cannibalism as, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what she wants to shelter them from, it makes sense that the oldest acts out even more yeah. and mm-hmm. takes it to a further extreme to, to the lengths of murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, kind of just because she was so sheltered from this, she never had any experience regulating it and, um, kind of finding a balance. So where maybe Justine is trying to, um, you know, hold this off and eating raw chicken instead of a human, Alex is going out and causing an accident so she can eat someone. So I think it's, um, it also shows that that complete restriction isn't helping your, these kids at all, um, which can be a metaphor for life as well. Sure. So I also think, um, the setting is very interesting, just like at the vet school and it's the same vet school that their parents went to and like just coming from the mom like if the mom is really wanting to shelter them from being cannibals like why send them to a vet school that seems to exist in an alternate universe by the way where like borderline torture is acceptable and for also everyone there is hot and like down to party all the time and covered with blood constantly yeah and it's they're just cool with all that yeah Yeah. and it does it is a weird it is a weird weird school Uh and like the doctor is like what they make you do she's like eight raw rabbit kidneys she's like hmm Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) they're allowed to just like have a party in a morgue yeah yeah that seems odd just like so many things about that like especially coming from the mother which is a very side character that we don't learn a lot about at all um but that's likely a similar experience that she had when she was a teenager, like going to that school, learning about cannibalism. Well, right. We, uh, well, cause it's, it's interesting. Like they misdirect you cause you go in and knowing it's a cannibalism movie, right? Yeah. And so you assume, at least I did that like, oh, this is cannibal school and she's gonna, mm. you know, when they start talking about initiation and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh shoot, that's at the... I was like, one of two things is going to happen. Either the cannibalism is the initiation. They give you like an arm or something. You got to chew on it. Or they make you eat like a cow liver or something. And from there, she just, you know, rockets off. Um, obviously, none of those things happen. So it's like, I, I don't know if I see the connection between the vet school and the cannibalism. I think it's more of the family connection. Like wherever they went to school, um, it would have happened. But I think that the fact that they are like you know, second generation students of this school uh, mm-hmm. just highlights kind of that hereditary, not the movie, but like mm-hmm. the, 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 the like generational connection there. Right. Mm-hmm. And as much as the mother tried to 
whether I think that the the real debate is like whether it was benevolent or not. Like, however much the mother tried to protect them from uh, this urge, uh, that like it it still happened, right? So I think that that generational element is really important. And so I I wonder if them being at the same school that their parents went to is more thematic than it is like I guess like concretely important. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I see that. And I think there's also an interesting through line with them all being female and how it's passed on from mother to daughter. And I don't really know what the connection is there, but my kind of thinking is um, we get like the, the one line at the end, the dad talking about um, uh, his wife and like, he's, he's saying something about like their first kiss and like, didn't realize like how intense this was for her. And he's like, kind of rubbing a scar on his upper lip um which like is really genius because you think it's like you think it's like a cleft palate yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking i was like does he actually have a cleft palate is did she actually bite him so i think um i don't know i really saw a lot of this movie as kind of um coming of age as you know like a sexual awakening and women kind of these three women um I guess being assertive with their sexuality and but not really handling it very like well. Like not in a very healthy way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. I uh, that's definitely kind of how I saw it because we really don't see Justine um really get crazy until probably the kiss with the guy and she mm-hmm. bites his lip off and then the sex scene with Adrian. That's really when it starts to ratchet up is when sexuality is kind of integrated with it yeah and it's not about a relationship at all Mm -hmm. it's all about just her and her own sexuality and the whole other people or relationship is completely taken out of the equation except with her relationship with her sister like that relationship becomes more important than any other relationship Mm -hmm. because they have this understanding and shared experience yeah right um so that like second to last sequence is a bit of a roller coaster the in adrian's room yeah yeah that was shocking and surprising and i was not expecting because you you wake up and she's there with adrian and he looks fine Mm -hmm. he's just sleeping you're like, oh, no, they did it again. He was so regretful, and, like, that's really disappointing that that happened again. And, sorry, I want to stop you there. Um, just, like, the scene right before that, it's just, it, I don't know. She, like, she goes to lock the door to lock her sister in the bedroom, but she doesn't. Yeah. And the entire time I was watching that, I was, like, going through my head, like, why would she even think about locking her sister in her bedroom? And where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And then we get to the next scene. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no. And I guess that shows uh, uh, Justine's perception, I don't know, of yeah. the, the like downward spiral. But in any case, um, you know, then we, we see Adrian and I, I'm starting to think, is he is he breathing? Can you can you see him breathing? You see that his, you, you, would, you would hopefully see it kind of in his neck and his neck isn't moving. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap, what happened? And then she reaches down and... Oh, no. Her hand comes out in blood. And I'm like, did she freaking Lorena Bobbitt, this guy? <laughs> I was like, is that where this is going? Like, please, no. 
And then I'm like, but she like doesn't have any blood on her. Like you would think that if she ate him, she would have blood on her. Uh-huh. And then she freaking lifts up the blanket and you see his gosh darn half eaten leg with his femur sticking out. Oh my God. That was horrific. But like we still don't know if it was actually her. Right. It's, it's so slow the reveal. And then you pan the camera over and there's Alexia sitting there playing video games just drenched in blood mm-hmm. and like totally disconnected from reality yeah. at that point. But I think also um, like her and Justine's initial reaction before she sees um, Alexia is um she's like why didn't you stop me why didn't you hit me like she's totally convinced that she did this right she just killed her friend and ate like an entire chunk of his leg and we've already seen like a few scenes beforehand when she got like blackout drunk and didn't remember what happened Mm -hmm. the night before so like we know that that could happen and i'm sure that's what she was thinking is what happened what did i do did i black out and I even still thought it was her, even as the camera zoomed over and you see her sister, because it's not super in focus. You just see a person sitting there with blood all You're over like, them. did she eat her too? Yeah. That's, that was my thought. That was Yeah, that was my first thought. And then you see her mouth. And she still looks like she could be dead until I realized that her hand was moving a little bit because she was playing video games. Yeah. I thought that she was dead. What do we make of the sisters, again, kind of like fugue state, if you will? Um, I don't know. Maybe kind of like, you, you know, one, you're fasting all day and you finally get to eat and you just eat so much that you can barely even move after. Like maybe it was kind of like she actually finally like... um satiated that hunger that she had for human flesh and now she just like is just sitting in it that could like, be she she's, he, she seemed she ate a lot of his leg she did eat a lot yeah. that, that she seemed lot. more despondent than satisfied to me though yeah that's true yeah i think it was absolutely an emotional thing like i can't imagine the psychology behind eating another human being mm-hmm. but i I've... well and and even the the transformation in her um, you know, maybe she she was in some sort of manic state and then afterwards realized what she did because all the people that she killed in the past, it was more passive, right? She jumps in front of the car, they crash and they die. <laughs> this was a very brutal act of, you know, her stabbing him with the the ski pole. <laughs> like And there had to be some kind of interaction between the sisters with all of that because that's not something that you sleep through. Well, like, right. Like, what really happened? We don't... Yeah, we don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. We don't know what Justine's involvement was or, I guess, lack of involvement. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of wonder, yeah, like, what that effect was on Alexi because when we see her later in the prison, she's still, like, you know, she's despondent and, like, quiet, but she doesn't seem as disturbed as right after. Right. Which I wonder if... Maybe it was just like she's had time to kind of come to terms with what she did or if she completely disassociated herself from it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And then I guess the last thing that stuck with me was the the dad's speech at the end um, and this concept that he had in his head of finding a solution. Mm -hmm. And I guess, again, if we're talking about like... uh, 
you know, the cannibalism representing some sort of frustration. Um, and the mother's solution was just to munch on the dad. Like, I guess this idea of taking something that, um, and again, tying it back to sexuality, if we're going to apply this to society at large, like this idea of something that comes so natural to us, right? In this case, cannibalism came natural to this family, but sexuality is something that comes natural to all of us. And, uh, this, I guess, running theme that we have of suppressing that and teaching people to be ashamed of it. And I mean, yes, in this case, like you shouldn't eat people, but like, I wonder if that's how a lot of people who, uh, I guess try to suppress sexuality in their kids or in their families, like they take this thing that they need, but are ashamed of. And like the idea of trying to find a solution to that, I think is really disturbing. Well, and I also saw a lot of comparisons with like mental health as well that like, um, I don't know, like this, the mom was dealing with all of these things and she is taking it out on her husband and her husband loves her and wants to take care of her. And the solution is to slowly chip away at him. Well, and from, I guess coming at it from a mental health perspective as well, like that's something that is hereditary uh-huh. and can be destructive to the other people in your life if you don't take the proper steps to deal with it. I think that's an interesting lane to go down. Yeah, and especially if it's something that you won't open up to people outside of your family and you won't try to seek help. And, of course, cannibalism is something that is, I'm sure, really hard to do that. And, like, you know, there's not things put in place to deal with somebody who has cannibalism but if you replace that with mental health like a lot of people feel shame towards their mental health and have had to suppress that and have been taught that the way that they feel is wrong and they have to figure out their own solution to it and that solution often ends up harming themselves and the ones that they love yeah that's a good one and i think obviously like this neither this movie nor any of us are like advocates of cannibalism i think that we're the, not no, endorsing the, cannibalism. the 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 movie uses it as a tool to take this idea again of suppression of whatever you might be talking about uh-huh. but take this idea of suppression of something that comes naturally and you have no control over take it to its logical extreme mm-hmm. and use that as an example to make the point that it's trying to make mm-hmm. yeah so I guess just to put it in those words, we don't endorse cannibalism and we don't feel that this movie does either. We do not. Yes. Um, man, that leg has <laughs> jacked up. Oh my gosh. Like that is messed up. Oh, just so much of it. And like when the sisters are fighting and they're just taking chunks out of each other. Well, I guess there's a whole lot to unpack there as well, I guess, relating to the things that we've been talking about, right? Like, again, lashing out against the ones that you love and harming those around you. and And even the way that they end, where everybody around them is just disgusted at what's happening and they've got their arms around each other and walk off together. Mm -hmm. Right. And help each other with their wounds that they inflicted on each other. Yeah. Well, in that moment where they've both latched onto the other one's arm and they're just staring each other down, yeah, that's just well. And even I don't in Alexia's eyes, you don't see it. I don't think you see it as much in Justine's. But like, they're like so mad at each other and they're in pain, but it also looks like they're enjoying it. 
Well, it's yeah, they're getting satisfaction from it in like expressing their feelings towards each other in a very obviously unhealthy way, but like yeah. finally, you know, letting a lot of tension bubble to the surface because again that that tension in their relationship is is hinted at a lot through the movie. Uh you have, you know, both of them thinking that the other one is the favorite child. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that tension that exists there, right? But uh, as far as like Justine correcting Alexis' homework and um you know, at the same time, like trying to be the cool girl like Alexia is. And, um, you know, that conversation they have on the roof where, uh, they're talking about, you know, their relationship with their parents and like, do you think I'm weird? No, I'm the weird one. And like that, that friction that naturally exists between siblings that had just never been, uh, explored or communicated in any way between them. And so, yeah, like they're finally getting their frustrations, not just, uh, like their frustrations with their own lives and with themselves, but their frustrations with each other are finally being expressed at least again in a very unhealthy way, but they're finally being expressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, just, it's, I don't know. This movie's fascinating. It really is. There really is a lot to unpack mm-hmm. that I don't think I realized during it. Like it wasn't until talking about it now that I see all these connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. The music, huh, Sid? I didn't uh, know this film. Like I said, I didn't know that there was music in this. I mean, I specifically um, noticed it. I mean, like, I feel like it's good just, like, soundtrack, like, even in, like, the dance scenes and the parties. Um, but the scene where um, she's holding her sister's finger and, like, you kind oh, of... Oh, no, yeah, I do know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you kind yeah. of just hear, like, a low drone and it kind of it starts building up and then as soon as she bites it, it's just, like, it builds up and it's it was so awesome i don't know if that's really the word to use but like they also used it at the end um when the dad says he says something i hope you find a way to manage it and then they end it with that and i don't it was just because it kind of felt like it's this is what justine's feeling she's feeling this anticipation and this is something that she um really wants and so it's just like building up building up and then she finally eats it and she experiences that um so yeah that was the the part that i um really noticed the music and i really loved the way that they used it yeah no now that you mentioned i do remember the music in that scene and it is quite good yeah i also felt like so many parts of this were dreams like a lot of it felt very dreamlike but i kept expecting her to wake up (laughs) <laughs> yeah, specifically uh, the moment when she wakes up after sweating and some nightmare or something mm-hmm. and she walks out and the hallway's all red mm-hmm. and she goes into the room and gets paint thrown on her. Like all of that, I was like, like it just felt very dreamlike, especially like the red colors and the saturation. Like it just, it felt like a dream. And then when she wakes up, and is with Adrian like right at the end and finds out that he's been eaten like all of that felt like a dream Mm -hmm. and so much of it just like you're just pulled in and you feel like you're just in this half asleep half awake state the entire time yeah again very uh skillfully directed film (laughs) oh yeah definitely all right is there anything else I talked about everything I want to that's pretty much everything i talked about yeah i said what do you got for us all right 
Um, so a lot of these are just about people who were sick and like had to leave the theater um, while they were watching it. Um, over, the, over 30 people at the Gothenburg Film Festival had to leave the cinema and take a break in the middle because they were so sick. Which like... I didn't really feel like... The, it was really just the finger scene and then the leg scene that like really turned my stomach. Honestly, the All grossest scene was the waxing scene. Because like... I could understand what that's like. I can't understand that's fair. eating a person. Maybe that's just... For it. me, it was the hair. Like The hair was <laughs> really bad. Yeah, hair. that was pretty gross. Um, so the raw chicken that Justine is eating out of the fridge is actually sugar. Um, and the actress Garrett's, um so that the scene didn't disgust her from chicken, but it did disgust her from candies for life. Hmm. Um, so throughout the movie... Um, the character of Justine, her posture and the way that she holds herself changes, um, and there being a drastic change. I because I read this before the movie, I was able to pick up on it more. I specifically noticed it in the scene um, where she wakes up from, um, she's like getting beat in her sleep, and then she walks to the party and gets hit with pain. But like you can really see that she's really like slumping her her shoulders over, and she's seems like almost animalistic. Um, and like feral, and I thought that was really that happened. That that note of them appearing feral happens several times actually, yeah. uh, both when they're fighting and on the video when we see her getting taunted with the dead dude, and when her and Adrian are having sex. Yeah, yeah. like it's very. I think feral is the right word for it. Yeah, and I think there's like traces of that in the beginning with the initiation when they have them all like look at the ground and it shows them like crawling out. It's like such a gorgeous scene with them all crawling. Oh, everybody just like the way they crawl is like so slow and I feel like you can see like every muscle move in everybody's bodies and they yeah. just, they look like animals. Um, so at the New York theater in Los Angeles, they were handing out uh, vomit bags to people. That's such a scam, dude. I know. <laughs> Nobody's good. Like that's hilarious though. <laughs> I guess we have strong stomachs. <laughs> um, Two people fainted in Sweden, and some ran for the toilet. I feel like these people are just babies, or maybe we're just Americans, and we're like... Maybe we're too desensitized you know, to movies. People will get shot all the time. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, the hardest scene um, for um, Justine's char- character to film, um, Garrett said, uh, was the withdrawal scene. Which I would guess is the scene where she's in bed and like we get the look of her in her sheets and she's like getting hit by something. That's what I would guess. Yeah, is. I think so. Um, but um, they said that they drew um, some motivation to direct that scene by watching Train Spotting. I can see I that. I see that for sure. So. You oh you really you just haven't seen it at all. I haven't seen it. Oh geez, yeah, I could definitely see that. You know the. Do you remember the withdrawal scene? Um, he's in his room. Yes. And it's like super yes, surreal. Yes, yeah. Jane's yes. body's fantastic. That's on my list for this year. So give it another two weeks in quarantine. There you and go. I'll watch them all. <laughs> and that is all the trivia I have for you. Well, there you go. All right on. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, let's do our final thoughts and rating out of 10 on the Weston scale. Becca, what do you got for us? All right. Um, I don't know if I have much more to say. I do think this is a really amazing movie and i have a hard time rating it because 
I think it's a better movie than I want to rate it, if that makes sense. I feel like I shouldn't be rating a movie about cannibalism very high. But there's just so much in it, and it's it's so well done. I don't think there's a scene out of place. Like, it just flows the, so the, well. Yeah, the pacing and the writing is incredible. Yeah. Um... Oh, man, this is hard to decide what to rate it. I think I'm going to give it an 8.5. I'm going with halves. I just, I, I, th- I think it's probably a 9, but I'm giving it an 8.5. That's fair. All right. Um. Yeah, I am kind of struggled with what to rate this because I did really enjoy it, but I would feel weird like if someone were to ask me like what's one of your favorite movies I'd be like oh i loved raw raw <laughs> oh it's about this girl who eats people um but i think for me like the the craft of it and just how well done it's written and filmed um outweighs the gross out parts for me um so i'm gonna give this one a nine Right on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I absolutely agree. I've kind of been floundering. Um, those of you who don't know, I'm only doing whole numbers this year. Um, and it's been tough. Um, but I, I, I think it's I think it's pushed me over the edge, especially talking about it. It's so well made. It's so gorgeous. Um, and honestly, like it's it's amazing that a movie like this could have its most disgusting and disturbing moments feel ancillary to the character's journey, which they do like they are not the focus. You don't, I, I would like, if somebody was like, dude, I want a movie that's just going to like gross me out. I'd be like, go watch evil dead. You know what I mean? But like they serve a purpose in the story and in the themes, they don't just exist to be disgusting. Mm -hmm. And so where like somebody who I'm going to sound incredibly pretentious here, but like somebody who doesn't enjoy film as an art form, I wouldn't recommend this, but somebody who is able to, you know, kind of uh, detach their understanding of a piece of art from the content in it and understand the idea that just because a film contains something that that doesn't make it an endorsement of that thing, right? If you're able to, to kind of disassociate, again, the the disturbing nature of the content with what it is trying to say, I think that the movie very deftly uses that disturbing content and that gross-out factor to express the themes that it's trying to in a really effective way. Um, and I think that's something really special. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Even, even like, thinking of something like... Uh, I guess thinking of movies that we've seen recently that have... Uh, had this kind of level of gore um i think of like midsummer mm-hmm. and yeah. midsummer i feel like um you know obviously fantastic movie one of our favorites of last year um but i i feel like it's gross out moments are used um at least the main one with the Atastupa is used more for shock value yeah. than thematic importance right yeah. um where this one kind of the gross out moments are very thematically important and like i said i think that that's something really special for a film to be able to do to take these 
um, very visceral reactions that we have to something and apply that to the message that it's trying to hammer home. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's like the movie is jumping out of the screen and just grabbing a hold of you and saying, you know, this is what I have to say and you're going to listen because I'm going to appeal to something very like deeply ingrained in you as a human being. Mm -hmm. I think that's really special. Um, so I'm, I'm going with Sid. I'm, this one's a nine for me. Um, so an 8.5 and two nines. I think that that puts us at what, like 8.8, 8.9. Yeah. Yeah. Probably eight. Well, I guess the two nine, cause between eight and nine would be eight, seven, five, throw another nine in there. Uh, we'll say eight, nine. Sorry. I do have one extra thing. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Um, Thinking about the scene where she goes to see the doctor and the doctor kind of gives a monologue of um, the chubby girl who came into her. Um, and she, she says something about it's completely unrelated. So I feel like it, I mean, I guess you could say like someone who would be grossed out by this movie just because of the cannibal aspect and not being able to remove themselves from the reality that this movie is showing you. Um I think that's kind of a way of being like, um, these are separate things, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're also intertwined where, um, uh, Justine's frustrations, her sexuality is intertwined with her, her taste for flesh. Um, I'm completely floundering here. I completely forgot where I was going, but, um, I think that's a good point. (laughs) Well, no, really. I, I was kind of thinking about that scene afterward and wondering what the purpose was, Mm -hmm. but I think you're right. It's almost like a message to the audience that the message is unrelated to cannibalism. Yeah. It's just, it's because it kind of feels like within the movie saying it's unrelated, it kind of seems contradictory because in the movie they're presenting that, her sexuality is intertwined and all these other things in her life is intertwined with her cannibalism. Um, but it could also be seen as she's, this doctor is just looking at her and saying, Oh, you have food poisoning and a rash. Here's this, but she's not looking at the underlying causes. Um, which I don't know, maybe I would need a little bit more time to form some cohesive thoughts and then I could present a better argument on this, but I agree, though. I, th- I think that's an important scene, and I think it's a scene that's more directed at the audience mm-hmm. than her or, like, the situation. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really talk about how that whole, the hives and the rash mm-hmm. thing ties into it. And Honestly, I found that probably one of the grosser parts. She's peeling oh. off the skin. Oh. Or just, like, when she's in bed and she's just scratching That it. is pretty bad. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Last minute? Nope. All right. Well, that ties up our discussion of Raw. Um, yeah. That's that one. Probably don't see it, but if you want to, Yeah, I guess so, it. right? We recommend it. We like it. Yeah, it's very good. Um, all right. Let's jump into some other topics really quick. Um, Sid has watched like six million movies, so maybe pick a small highlight uh, yeah. reel of the best ones. Yep, that's my plan. Uh, jumping through, uh, since we last recorded, um, we I think the ones that stick out to me as being the best, we watched Solaris uh, by Tarkovsky, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becca didn't like it that much, but Becca doesn't like Tarkovsky, so. Yeah, it was just, 
was long and slow, like all of his films. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen that one? No. It's phenomenal. It's so freaking good. Okay. The um, only one that I've seen of his is Stalker. So. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, Solaris, fantastic. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, we all watched The Wailing together. Oh, that, that was, was a great one. Fantastic Korean horror film. Very, very good. I uh, highly recommend. Uh, the Brood, David Cronenberg. Oh, yeah. That was something else. We're big Cronenberg fans in this house. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why this stuff didn't gross us out. It's because we just watch a bunch of Cronenberg all the time. I think we could do an episode on all of Cronenberg's. Well. Dude, we should do like a Cronenberg retrospective. Yeah. And just like toss all of them in. I guess all of his 80, like 70s and 80s films at least. Because they're all good, but I don't know if I could talk about each one of them individually i'm sure we could like videodrome naked lunch and the brood we definitely could yeah yeah um naked lunch by the way one of the more bizarre films i've ever seen you should put that put that on your list yeah okay i'm kind of scared of david cronenberg it's phenomenal it's so good um start with the fly okay yeah start with the fly and then work your way in the only i've only seen one thing from the fly and it's the part where he like vomits on some guy's leg oh yeah that's the only thing that i can ever think of the fly is very here's the thing like i said we are we are big 70s and 80s cronenberg fans in this house okay i'll put just watch them all with us we'll watch all of them again yeah at any point yeah um it's funny because like i feel like scanners got the biggest legacy just because of the head exploding scene yeah but out of his output at that time i think that's my least favorite same um Let's see. Uh, I finally got Becca to watch Breaking the Waves. I liked it a lot. That was such a good movie. Really good. Such a good... Dude, Lars von Trier. I'm telling you. One of the one of the better people to ever pick up a camera. Dude can make a movie. Um, We went on a bit of a Nolan binge. Watched The Prestige Inception. Uh, we watched The Godfather parts one and two. Mm. You've seen those, yeah? No. They're on no. my list. Okay. Uh i think unpopular opinion in the film world i thought part one was better i liked part one better than part I did two too. and th- i mean they were both just good i didn't i could see where the hype comes from they're they're like fantastic like especially in that era of kind of the 70s it feels like it was where that era of like capital f film started dying out and you started getting into because that's when like a lot of the european um, art film scene started making its way over that that really kicked off in the 60s in europe but then like you know by the 70s it started becoming more popular and so that era of the late 70s of capital f film uh seems to have kind of uh, died off in that age so if you if you take it with that lens of like you know this is as high as high art got when it came to film at that time um they are phenomenally made uh, the acting is absolutely incredible. Marlon Brando is just a force on the screen. Anything that I've ever seen him in, it's just mind blowing what he's able to do. Um, but they're you know they're long and they're slow and they're like I said they're capital F films through and through. Um, and it took uh, especially some of the I think some of the the French films to bring a little bit of irreverence to capital F film. And we've kind of ended up with our modern art film movement. Uh, leaning into that but not as like still with some of that irreverence baked in and so i think you have to take it as a product of its time and seeing if the first time you know 50 years later uh definitely puts it in a different light but i think they're very 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 good films and definitely deserving of the accolades they get yeah i'm just glad that i understand all the godfather references now yeah right I feel like it's referenced 
everywhere and in every other movie. <laughs> right. Um, we watched Eraserhead. Oh, oh man. Have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. I loved it. That was... I, I think I liked it. <laughs> Utterly bizarre. It is so bizarre. Highly recommended. Okay. You should watch it. Okay. It's very good. It's, See, David, it's weird. David Cronenberg and... It's David Lynch, yeah? That's Lynch, yeah. They scare me. That's fair. <laughs> but I feel like because I've watched Twin Peaks, like I feel like I... That's a good stepping stone into some of his weirder Dude, stuff. Dude, Twin Peaks is like fairly trained... Like, squarely like train at the station hasn't even left yeah compared to how off the rails oh yeah eraser head is yeah. <laughs> i remember i tried to watch maholland drive like two years ago. i really want to watch that um and it was too weird for me so i didn't end up finishing it but i feel like that now that me. i um have seen twin peaks and kind of used to his style i feel like i would be more prepared for that one i'm really anxious to watch that that's like yeah. when the next time there's a criterion sale i'm picking up maholland drive mm-hmm. that'd be a good one yeah um bringing it down uh we watched the shawshank redemption the other night quite good very so good, good i loved that one yeah it's very good that's our highlight reel that's not everything we've watched but those are probably the best the best that we have seen over the last two months uh what do you got for us then um i will just give you most of the highlights um i watched magnolia uh, oh PTA yes I love it isn't that it. like eight and a half hours long it's like three and a half <laughs> 189 minutes Tom it, Cruise right yeah I loved it I've heard it's amazing I thought it was fantastic like I even um I watched the highlights the next day so I could kind of like form more co- cohesive thought it was so good where would you I guess how how many of his you've seen most of his movies at this point right where would you I think so um oh I mean, I really, really liked it. I haven't seen The Master. Um, See, and The Master's my favorite. Well, I don't know. Like, if I watched The Master today and There We Blood Tomorrow, like, my opinion would change. It's it's very hard. He, because his are so different. I mean, I would say I've, it's pretty up there. It's probably not, I could see where it gets, um maybe even like corny or it's because it is just like a bunch of in intertwined stories. Okay. So I could see how someone could see it, I guess maybe like very formulaic. Okay. Um, but I just thought it was so good and very well done. Well, Acting and that's, that's the thing is like stylistically PTA doesn't really break the mold. Yeah. Right. Like he's, he's very much, I feel like in the old tradition of capital F film, like mm-hmm. he makes event films, every single one of his movies, like, especially there will be blood. I feel like it's just like an ode to like, you know, thirties and forties cinema mm-hmm. kind of a thing in the, in the way that it explores the, uh, you know, kind of the, the wild west mm-hmm. and specifically, but like also just in, in its structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he has a very classical style of filmmaking. So I don't know, like I feel like formulaic is is something that could technically be applied to a lot of PTA's films, but he just does it so well mm-hmm. and his characters are so yes. good. Oh, the characters are so fantastic. Like I um I would say like with Magnolia, things do get tied up pretty nicely for a lot of the characters, but the characters are so complex and you really don't spend that much time with them because there's so many, but you really understand them okay and just the way that he wrote them is so good 
Have you seen either or both of Boogie Nights or Inherent Vice? I have seen Boogie Nights. I haven't seen Inherent Vice. Okay. Boogie Nights is fantastic. That's what I've heard. It's so good. I'm really interested in that. Um, Yeah, just don't watch it with your mom. Sure. Um, <laughs> let's see. I've been watching a lot of... I think I've watched all of Bong Joon-ho's, um, but Memories of Murder, fantastic. That's what I've heard. So good. I'm I, waiting for the Criterion. Oh my gosh. There's just one scene that like i don't get scared that much in movies but there's one scene that was terrifying to me hmm. and it oh i can't even like i rewatched that scene because it was so good i still am suspecting that criterion is going to do a bong joon ho box oh, set I'm sure that's what i'm like they've, awesome. they've announced they've said memories of a murder and parasite are coming to criterion yeah. i'm just like praying that they're just working on oh. the rights for the other ones i would buy that <laughs> so fast absolutely um and then i watched mommy um, which is like a French Canadian movie. I've heard of that. Um, by Xavier Dolan. I loved it so much. Like it was, it's kind of, um, it's not disturbing, but it's kind of a hard movie to watch where it's like this delinquent kid and like him kind of, um, making his mom's life really hard. But honestly, the last 30 seconds completely sold the movie for me. Best use of a Lana Del Rey song in a movie I've ever heard. What song is it? Born to Die. Oh, okay. So good. I loved it. Right on. Um, let's see. What else did I watch? I watched Old Boy. What'd you think? I thought it was fine. I, like, I, thought I didn't it was get good. the hype. Um, the hallway scene was incredible. Yeah, that was really good. But like the twist, I wasn't like, I wasn't like disturbed by the twist. I was just like, uh. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe for the time when it came out, because it's it's came out in like early 2000s i think it was like 2003 yeah um, like i could see it i mean i thought it was still like pretty well done and interesting but yeah it was good yeah it came out in 2003 that's the thing is like it, it like a lot of people had hyped up for me the twist they didn't tell me like i didn't know what it was i knew they were what like, it was the twist is crazy and when yeah. it hits i was just like oh that's kind of gross yeah but like the thing is 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 the the problem that i had with old boy and maybe this was me is like I never became invested in him as a character. Like he's yeah. a superhero. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the things that he pulls off are just like. And he's not like the most sympathetic person. Right. Either. Like he's just kind of a jackass. Yeah. And so like, well, the movie was entertaining and yeah. the, the fight scenes were really cool. The, the hallway scene really is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but like him as a character and his relationship with the woman in the film, I never really cared about. And so the twist didn't hit me at all. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I watched The Goonies for the first time ever. Wait, what? Yes. I, I'm in love with that movie. That's because it's incredible. It's so, so good. The scene where Chunk is just like confessing and he's talking about so when he fake vomited. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was crying. It was so funny. Uh, I just, I loved it. It was because a lot of like 80 mo- 80s movies, I'm like, is it actually that good? And, and that like, one is. You see it and you're like, I don't know, maybe for the time, but that one, I was just yeah, fantastic. Movie holds up brilliantly. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then uh, probably, uh, see, I've watched so many good movies. It's fine. Um, Spirited Away was fantastic. Oh, okay. I mean, it was weird. I'm not entirely sure. I can't say if i loved it or not i'd say it's it's beautiful um it's an interesting world building um but it's weird i haven't seen any of the studio ghibli films yeah so. that was my first one of theirs um but yeah i would say really well done um i feel like i need to see more of their movies to okay. understand it i mean like i've literally i i bought 
uh, House Flying Castle on kind of a lark like four years ago, mm-hmm. and it's just sat on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and then the last one, um, Sunset Boulevard. Oh yeah. It was very very good. It was different from what I expected. Um, but I thought it was super well done. Um, the acting was great. Um, I don't know. Did you watch, there's a, uh, lessons from the screenplay comparing Parasite and Sunset Boulevard. No, I think I have it in my watch later right now. Okay. I haven't seen it either because I haven't seen Sunset Boulevard, so I haven't been like super motivated to watch it. Yeah. But I'd be curious your thoughts on that. It's, it was very good. I, yeah, like I loved it most of, and like the famous, um, ending line I loved how What's, they What is it? it? I don't know. Um, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Oh, okay. Like, ah, uh, beautiful. I was so excited for that last line. Anyway, that's all movies I've been watching. And I've been watching a lot of Forensic Files. Because that's on Netflix now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So many of that. We watched, We finished up It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of sad. I finished <laughs> up Scrubs, which is what me and my ex watched together. And I made myself not cry in spite of him nice so, good congratulations job. thank you feels good right on good all right showed folks. him <laughs> <laughs> all right um i guess i haven't checked our email for like forever because we haven't recorded but on the off chance that we have an email here let's see goodness gracious google makes you go through 45 million um, things of authentication. Not now. And nothing. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, we watch, or uh, we watch, what is it? We watch podcasts. Contact at, oh, here we go. Contact oh, at wewatchpodcast.com. Um, I signed into the wrong email. We have so many emails. This is great content. <laughs> I'll talk about some other good stuff. Okay. Um, all of what's new Scooby Doo is on Netflix. So <laughs> is Avatar: The Last Airbender, and Zooby Doo, Zooby Doo, <laughs> Scooby Doo on Zombie Island is on Netflix. Um, Amazing guys, what are you doing? This quarantine is great. Just live your life. Stay home and watch movies. Just do it. Also, um, fantastic documentary Crip is on Netflix. I was able to oh, watch I it. Oh, I really want to watch that. I, it's so good. What's it about? I've never heard it's, of it. It's a um, documentary about this uh, camp for uh, like um, physically disabled kids mm-hmm. and kind of like what they went on to do with the rest of their lives. It's really interesting. And the people in it are so fun and just interesting people it's really good i saw uh, the director of green book at the premiere and i wanted to fight him but i didn't (laughs) good job thanks all right well if you want to reach out to us contact at wewatchpodcast.com or you can slide into the dms at wewatchpodcast on instagram and facebook Uh, we're happy to hear from you if you have a movie you'd like us to watch we're happy to take suggestions And I suppose that's that, right? Hopefully, we'll be coming back at you on the regular. Um, But yeah, we appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll catch you on the next one.
Bye. See ya.